you know, so often on this podcast, I harp on the idea that you really got to do your due diligence when choosing a real estate agent. And, you know, if I've ever worked with you, you'll get a map from me uh, at the beginning of a transaction, whether it's on the sell side or the buy side. And the very first thing on that map, you know, the treasure map to uh, selling or buying your home is choose a real estate agent. And I really harped on that idea as being one of the you know, early preliminary things that you can do to ensure success in your real estate uh, activities. Well, today I want to talk about, you know, your financial uh, part of aspect of that purchase process and who you're going to choose to be the lender of your transaction. So in past podcasts, we've spoken about the difference between mortgage broker and bank. Today, I want to talk about who's going to represent you on the lending side of the transaction. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. So very often I talk about the team. If you work with me, I talk about, I relate to the whole process as who's on your team. You're going to have a real estate agent on your team. Uh, You're going to have a mortgage representative on your team. You're going to have an insurance broker on your team. You're going to have a home inspector on your team. Uh, You may have some specialists like contractors, a termite, a pest guy, whatever. The process and the people that you use to help you get through your due diligence on a property, that makes up your team. And let me iterate this. If they don't see it as a team, then it ain't a team. And if if there's no team in that, then there's no communication and there's going to be problems. So it's really important that when you choose the financial institution that you're going to ask for money to purchase your new property, it's really important that they understand the team aspect of what's going on. And I'll I'll give you a really good example. Typically, when you um, get insurance for a property, you're going to go see a broker, and that broker like if you go to Interior Savings or Hub International or uh, you know a number one of these companies, you're you're dealing with a broker, and that broker is supposed to find you an underwriter to insure you. You're not actually getting your insurance from Hub International. Hub's not forking out the cash to 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 protect your property from floods or fire. You're going to get an underwriter that's going to do that. There's going to be somebody with a big bucket of cash that's going to do that. So when you when you go to Hub International, you're banking on that representative, that broker, that specialist to find you a good fit. It's the same for when, you, you, when you're looking at real estate. You're not going to go to the seller directly. just like you're not going to go to the underwriter directly for insurance. You're going to go to a real estate agent. They're going to introduce you to properties and they're going to try and keep your best interest top priority. 
And they're going to introduce you to properties and, and be aware of pitfalls. And they're going to help you through that process. So when you're getting financing for a, for, for a purchase, why would you go directly to the bank? You're not getting, the bank represents themselves. They're there for them. They're not there for you. So you may have a checking account and a savings account, and you may have uh, built a, a great relationship for, you know, buying a motorcycle or whatever through your bank. But when it comes time to purchase a property, I'm not saying don't use a bank. I'm saying be aware of their, be aware of what they are there for. They're there for the bank. And maybe, just maybe you might enlighten yourself the idea that you want somebody representing you in that transaction. And if you're working with me, I'm definitely going to harp on this because I've had a lot of issues with banks over the years. And the first cringe I have when I ask uh, a a new prospective buyer, have you been pre-approved for financing? And they say, yeah, no, I'm working with my bank. Like, oh, great. There's no team in a bank. A bank doesn't, a bank doesn't want to communicate. In fact, it's so difficult to communicate with a bank that typically when you phone a bank, you're on hold for 30 minutes just to get the representative on the phone. You know, like that's a real problem in a real estate transaction where you typically have 10 to 14 days to do your due diligence. And there's several areas of that transaction where great communication is going to be required. That's why it's a team. And that's why you have to treat your team, your power team, when you're purchasing a property, you've got to have a team in place. So what I'm getting at is if you're working with a bank, that's fine. But introduce your bank to the idea that you're working with XYZ real estate company, and they're going to be one in the loop. Uh, they're going to want to be in the know for this entire process. You know, last Friday, I had three transactions that had subject removals that were due on the Friday. <clears throat> and I went 0 for 3 on them. They all asked for extensions due to financing. And it, it, it drives me crazy that through a two-week process of getting your financing approved, there was no mention on day 9, day 10, day 13, that there was a problem for time. There was no mention of a document that needed to be signed or paperwork that needed to be handed in that hadn't been handed in yet or an appraisal that hadn't been ordered yet. None of that was mentioned until the final hour. And it's like, hey, sorry, we're not going to be able to get this done today. But if you can give us another seven to 10 days, we'll try again. That's typically not going to happen with a mortgage broker. And it's definitely not going to happen with a good mortgage broker. So I really try to instill the idea that if you were going to be working with somebody uh, to do your, to represent you in your acquisition for money to purchase a property, It needs to be somebody who's going to communicate exceptionally well. And typically that doesn't happen from a bank. And the reason is the bank represents them. They don't represent you. They're just there. You're basically filling out a form. And if it meets approval, then they check the boxes to give you the cash. In a mortgage broker world, the mortgage broker doesn't get paid from you, the buyer. The mortgage broker is getting paid a commission from the bank for doing all the legwork and finding a suitable uh, candidate for financing for a purchase of a property. Um, but they're there to represent you through that process. You know, if Royal Bank doesn't seem like it's going to be a good fit for your rural property, 
then they're not going to they're not going to apply your mortgage to that that typical that particular uh, lender. They're going to go shop you to a different you know a different lender that's going to have a history of lending money on rural properties or or whatever, right? I think it should be noted that and it's really important to to understand this. When you get pre-approved for financing, you're only getting pre-approved for you as a buyer to service debt. That's it. When you actually have a contract to purchase a property, the lender that's going to give you the money is also going to do due diligence on the property that you're purchasing. If you're purchasing a property in downtown Kamloops, it's a cookie cutter home, it's going to be very highly rated from that lender that that's a good property. Like if we had to foreclose on this property, what is going to be the obstructions to selling it in foreclosure? And the least amount of friction is what they want. So when you purchase a property in the hills of Ashcroft, it's on a hundred acres of sagebrush rolling hill. That's not going to be as easy to sell. So they're not going to treat that property the same way. So you're hoping, actually you're not hoping, you're planning. You're planning to work with a mortgage broker who has the understanding of where the pitfalls may be so you don't get stuck in one on the route to your property. You know, try to imagine for one minute that you walk into a bank and you, you uh, make an appointment to book a time to be, to be pre-approved for a potential purchase. You know, the bank is going to be very loving. That experience is going to be very good, especially if you're organized and you have, you know, a good debt to service ratio potential. That is going to be a really good experience where you're going to sit down. It's going to be a very, uh, you know, business type atmosphere. You know, they might give you a cup of coffee. They might sit down. Everything looks really professional. You go through the process. You're pre-approved. But that part of the process is always real sexy. Um, The part that gets unsexy is when you add the property to it. If it's a very standard property, uh, the, the process, you might go through that process and the bank was a win for you. But if it's a, if there's any friction in that transaction, you might find that the bank gets real ugly real quick with the property part because they have a vision for the type of properties they want to, they want to lend on. And that wasn't in the first part of the equation when you got pre-approved. That might have physically asked you what, what it is that you plan on buying, but they don't really know what the process is either because they're just ticking boxes on the computer. I harp on this because it's so important. And I, I don't want to harp anymore, but I am going to give you one more. This is a real-life example. It happened to me. It happened to me years ago, and it's worth noting. And I can't give you the actual details, but I'm going to lay it out for you in enough that you can put the puzzle together. I had a buyer who was interested in a property, and the property was not going to be a very common property that a lender is going to want to take on. This gal had worked with a bank for many years and had many mortgages with this bank. Okay? This bank pre-approved her to go purchase the very property that she was interested in buying, which happened to be the same type of property that she sold. So she was selling a hard property and she was buying a hard property. When I say hard, I just mean they were farm type properties. They're a little more difficult to finance and um, they're not loved and admired by banks as much. But anyways, this bank had experience with her as a, a lender and as a client and experience on those type of properties. 
And even me as a realtor, I didn't see a pitfall with it. She said she had a great relationship with this bank, and so we moved forward. We made an offer to purchase a very particular property, and after the two weeks of due diligence came time, uh, of course, it was Friday afternoon, the second week of due diligence, the final hour, final minutes, uh, not going to be approved for this mortgage. Need an extension. So we went through a whole process of asking for additional time, um, and we, we got additional time. We went through another 10 days of due diligence, and in the final hour, it was like, no go. This, is, this property is not going to be something that this particular bank is going to be interested in loaning on, which should have been figured out on day one, regardless, okay? We lost the property. Um, we walked away from it, and it was quickly picked up by another buyer. The other buyer went through a two weeks due diligence, and um, they couldn't get the deal done either, and they collapsed due to financing. In that two weeks, I took my client from the bank and I put her in touch with a mortgage broker and I said, why don't we start working with a mortgage broker to get you pre-approved? So they get pre-approved, we get pre-qualified. Lo and behold, our property comes back on the market and we decide to take another run at the same property. In this instance, we did two weeks of due diligence and we got approved for financing. And the crazy part of this story is we got approved for financing from the same financial institution that she started with, the Scotiabank. She started with Scotiabank. They, dis- they, de- they denied her that property. But after we went through a mortgage broker, it was presented in a different manner, and we got approved for that mortgage. It's an insane story, but it's, it's, it's one I like to highlight. It's one I talk about a lot because I think it's so important that you work with somebody in the uh, lending side that's on your team. So I want to lay it out. I want to lay out the four top things that you should be looking for when you're choosing someone to help you with your financing part of your transaction, okay? And I I mentioned the team thing. We talked about the team thing. This is where that comes into play. Communication, number one. Um, As the realtor, I sort of see us as the quarterback for the entire transaction, okay? We're going to be the one pitching the ball to insurers, lenders, home inspectors, specialists. We're going to be looking for all the pitfalls. We're actually making all the plays here. So we need to be in top priority for communication. And the lender's no exception. So when you're choosing a lender, you need to indicate to them that the, the, the lines of communication are wide open to the real estate agent. And I try to instill that from a very early part of the transaction where as soon as we have an accepted offer and you tell me the lender that you're working with, I start a communication process there and I, I, I iterate the idea that I want to be kept in the loop so that I can be strategic if something comes up. That leads me to my next one, strategic. The lender or a mortgage broker or a bank or whoever that you've chosen needs to understand the strategy in a real estate transaction. They cannot do that if they've never owned a home. First thing you should ask your uh, representative, do you own your own home? How many transactions have you done in real estate? If they've done more than five, they at least get the whole process, okay? If they've never owned a home, ditch them because they don't get any of it. They don't even understand what they're doing. They're definitely not going to understand the strategy portion of the transaction. And I'll give you an example. If you're coming to me on day 14 as the real estate agent to tell me that you're going to need another whole seven to 10 days, how am I going to be strategic to negotiate that on the uh, seller's side? How am I going to pitch that to the seller's agent? 
I've just dropped a bomb on him in the final hours. There's no strategy there. If I would have known six days early, five days early, three days early, that we were running into a problem, we were going to need some time, I could have been very strategic about planting that seed so that we had the ability to negotiate more time later. Very often I hear uh, lenders indicate that they, they need an appraisal in the final hours and that the appraisal was, they're, they're too busy. Well, I have purchased gift cards for very nice dining locations and given them to appraisers to work overtime because they typically don't want to, uh, to, make sh- to make stuff happen in the final hours. I know a bank doesn't have the ability to do that. Maybe a mortgage broker doesn't either. I don't know. Maybe it's a conflict of interest. I don't know, and nor do I care. From a real estate perspective, I'm the quarterback of this deal, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get things to happen. So I will, I will like to, I'd like the opportunity to be able to problem-solve issues that the lender may be stumbling on. Maybe they just, they're just not strategic enough. I don't know. But I definitely want to be involved. So communication strategy, those are going to be the top two. I mean, organized as a given, okay? But let me tell you the pitfalls of being organized as a mortgage broker, bank, lender, whatever. When you walk in to get pre-approved and you're taking verbal notes, how much money do you make? Uh, About this much. How much is on your Visa card? Uh, About this much. How much is your car payment? Uh, About this much. That's not very organized from a lending situation. And when it comes time to be pre-approved, if you get a pre-approval based on uh, about this much, you're going to overshoot and you're not going to be qualified for debt servicing of that particular property. So I need to make sure that the data is accurate when you're giving data to your financial person. Okay? I'll even ask it. When you got pre-approved, did you actually give your T4s or did you just um, kind of estimate the amount of money that you make. Because if you're giving estimated numbers, then you're only getting an estimated debt service ratio. And if you're picking the top end of your uh, budget, you're probably not going to be approved. And that's something we can pick off on day one. We don't need to go through 14 days of due diligence, spending money with home inspectors, termite inspectors, wasting time, appraisals. We don't need to go through that process if you're not going to get approved. And your lender should be organized enough to know that from day one. The last thing I want to talk about is efficiency. So that's number four on my list. And it's not really like the least important. It's just the number four thing that I've talked about. Efficiency. The first thing that comes to mind is efficiency, efficiently planning an appraisal. If the lender knows that you're going to need an appraisal, they, need, they should be ordering that on day one, not day 14. They can always cancel an appraisal, and I know that there's no charge for that. But if your, if your debt service ratio looks good, and the property is pretty straightforward, and there's a whole bunch of little speed bumps in between, if you're giving positive information from a lender to your potential, um, the person who's buying the home, if you're saying, hey, it looks good so far, we, you know, we have to do a bunch of due diligence first, but it's looking good so far then why not book the appraiser for the last day? It's what we do as real estate agents when we're, when we're dealing with a home inspection. So we get, a, we get an approved uh, contract. The next thing we're going to do is book the home inspection. We're not going to book the home inspection for the next day because we don't want to spend 600 bucks on a home inspection if we're not going to get approved for financing. 
But we definitely want to book it near the end of the due diligence period. So when it gets time to crunch, we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to find a home inspector and then picking one who's not much of a team player. Because that's another whole conversation. So communication, being organized, being efficient, and understanding how strategic a real estate transaction is and being a part of that strategy rather than being the, uh, the guy who throws the grenade on day 14 of due diligence. That's my rant for today. I appreciate you tuning in to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider podcast. An additional note here is that uh, we've been nominated by the uh, Best in Kamloops as one of the best podcasts in Kamloops. And if you agree that this might be the best podcast in Kamloops, I would really appreciate you logging on to Best in Kamloops and search up the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast and give us a vote. I appreciate your ears for the last 20 minutes. And uh, I hope that I bring you value. And I, I hope that you come back next week for the next podcast. <music>